This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome everyone to the must listen to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. It is under the dome time. Right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And we're live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios. And my goodness, have we got a great, I'd say positively glorious edition of Under the Dome because it is just a wonderful time to be alive right about now because obviously we've got the NFL preseason. It is underway I'm honestly really hyped about that, but obviously we got other things to kind of talk about. We've got training camp underway for for the Cajuns and LSU. Both of them are getting ready for their first scrimmages, or as LSU likes to put it, their first preseason games. A big name commit to the Raging Cajuns. He committed to the culture yesterday. That's really cool stuff. Obviously, Joe Burrow not at Friday practice for LSU, so a lot of big news and notes. The Astros, they made it seven straight wins last night. Let me talk to you. How good has that team been as of late? But, of course, there's one team that's just been a little bit hotter as of late, and trust me, they are hotter than a ghost pepper, and we're going to talk about them as well. Trust me, a lot of things to get to. And, of course, we do things like we do each and every single Saturday morning. And it is time to gotta take a look around the world of sports and give you an idea of what's going down this weekend in the world of sports on this glorious August 9th, August 10th, excuse me, it's August 10th through the 11th. Trust me, we got some good stuff coming up this weekend. The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. Oh, we got a lot to kind of get to to start things off. We got to bring up the long awaited, like, wait, the football loving world is rejoicing right about now. Yes, it's preseason football. Yes, it doesn't really matter. But here's the thing. It is actual multiple games of football going on at the same time. It's something that we're going to get every single week between now and February. Yes, you heard me right, every week until God knows when. We're finally going to get football back in our lives every single week. And, of course, what everyone around the world is talking about is the new batch of rookie QBs. Namely, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, and Dwayne Haskins. To me, that's intriguing. Like, I, Don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to that that conversation. I'm going to have that towards the end of the show. I'm going to save that for later. Like I said, this show likes to kind of keep things a little bit more fluid, a lot different, and give you an idea of what's coming up. 
on the show, what's on tap this week, and obviously there's a few more games to get to those in a little bit. But I feel like there's more to it than that in my perspective. It's changed to see some of these relative unknowns finally have a chance to shine because maybe we're not necessarily able to catch all the highlights from practice. We, we are able to be at training camp for the New Orleans Saints in our in my case. You know, we're not able to see your little Jordan Humphreys, your your Emmanuel Butlers, your Eric McCoy. He's not able to see those guys consistently in there grinding, working. But you get to see some of these guys get a chance to shine on a big stage. And last week we saw Brett Rippon, son of Redskins legend Mark Rippon, letting it rip and delivering the final blow to the Atlanta Falcons, who, by the way, are 0-2 in the preseason. I absolutely love it. But, again, I'll give my full thoughts on Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, and Dwayne Hastings and my power rankings for those four rookie QBs. We talked about it a little bit during Sigur Swim yesterday, but I feel like doing a much more in-depth, deep-dive edition of that to end the program. And, of course, other observations I've noticed. You know, Jameis Winston looked good last night in his one and only drive for the Bucks Again, it is preseason. It is relatively meaningless. But guess what? You can take a lot away from him actually looking halfway decent as a passer. Bruce Arians is supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. This is kind of... Jameis Winston's last chance, you know, to me, I feel like if he screws this up, I've mentioned it on, on this station before, if he screws up this year, be it on the field, off the field, what have you, he's done. His career will be done. And I I would like to see him continue just so we can continue to really roast him about eating a W. He needs to step his game up in a big way, and I feel like maybe Bruce Arians can get that done. And again, the Falcons 0-2 the preseason. I am loving every minute of that. I guarantee you. Again, it's preseason. It's meaningless. But guess what? Who doesn't love having a good little fun towards those jamokes uh, that are called the Atlanta Falcons? Looking at other matchups from a couple days ago. Ravens, they shut out the Jags, limiting them to 44 yards. Leonard Fournette did not play in that. Not surprising. You know, what's going to happen with him? That's the biggest question for me. It's like, you know, I'm surprised the Ravens blanked the Jags the way they did, I believe it was last night. Definitely a one-sided contest. And, of course, definitely an underwhelming performance, to say the least, for the Jags. New era over there. Again, you don't have Bortles there anymore, so you can't put you can't put the blame on that. But that defense definitely was pop-on, to say the least. Speaking of pop-on defenses, that's what the New Orleans Saints were last night. And I'll give you my full thoughts on that at the top of hour two because I've got enough time to give you my thoughts, my full unadulterated thoughts on the Saints' preseason performance last night. But obviously we're going to dive into that a little bit more as the show progresses. Also, three more games on tap for tonight. So if you love some football, some preseason football, you got three games to watch tonight. That is the Bengals, Chiefs, Rams, Raiders, and Cowboys 49ers. Honestly, I'm more intrigued to see the Rams, Raiders, simply because you know they're going to be talking all night long about the Antonio Brown scandal, which I'm going to get to in the next segment. I've got some thoughts, and I think you all need to hear it, because trust me, I have I have some very poignant thoughts directed towards A.B. I'm not going to give it all away, but trust me, it's definitely well worth it. The other thing going on today, and I absolutely am excited, is English Premier League begins today, baby. 
I am so excited because, again, you know, I love American football. I love baseball. I love basketball. But guess what? One of the cool things about English Premier League, especially stateside, is the fact that these games are played at like 6, 7 a.m. And, you know, for the most part, I'm inside the 237 Roof Studios when a lot of these games are going on. Sometimes on a really good Saturday, I've got the show getting started. I've got Manchester United on another screen. I'm able to watch all of it. I'm able to enjoy the ever-loving, you know what, out of like pro soccer at the highest possible level. Liverpool, they did start things yesterday with a 4-1 win over Norwich City. But the real fun begins this weekend. And later this weekend, there's a lot more entertaining stuff for me. It's going to be that Man U-Chelsea match again. I am a massive Manchester United fan. Fuel Manchester United supporters. Sing the Manchester United song. I was told never to sing on the radio, so I'm just going to let the fans do it for me. Absolutely love hearing that on a Saturday morning, even though not playing until Sunday afternoon against Chelsea. Definitely going to be an interesting matchup. Man, you lost some of their better players. It feels like Man City has taken over the Premier League with all the money they spent, but I'm standing pat with the Red Devils. I'm going to stick that way with them going forward. They're my guys. I can't, I can't not root for Man U. And then also, you know, Liverpool, they're nipping at the heels of Man City when it comes to these preseason Vegas odds, or I believe these are overseas odds too. But anyways, what I'm telling you is right here, right now, I am looking forward to seeing what's going to be going down with the EPL. But don't count out the Tottenham Hotspurs or Arsenal. I'm going to have to check out the second half of the action between those Hotspurs and Aston Villa after the show wraps up. I'm going to try and catch that because... Honestly, I'm interested to see what Tottenham it winds up doing to open up their Premier League, their match coming up later today. And the final thing, kind of what's on tap this weekend, at least from my perspective, has to be without a doubt SummerSlam weekend. Yes, you hear me right, SummerSlam weekend. The biggest party of summer and less is more in this case. Only 10 matches on the main card, giving each match more time to breathe, at least in my humble opinion. Highlights include Goldberg taking on Dolph Ziggler and Charlotte Flair taking on Trish Stratus. Also, NXT TakeOver going on tonight. Only five matches on the main card, and those are always the highest of quality. The creme de la creme of WWE. And Gargano Champa, two out of three falls. The main event, can't wait to see that. And I'm looking forward to what happens with that third fall. Does Champa get involved in some form or fashion? And here's the thing. I would love to kind of do a deep dive, but no, not a whole lot of people in the Acadia area give uh, you know what about the sport of professional wrestling and well well you can actually check that out and that is through the 20 by 20 programs podcast i'll be recording that not long after today's show wraps up and you can check it out through our podcast feed and it'll be a little bit of a new era of the show if you will if you have listened to the podcast as of late it's been it's definitely dwindled down the numbers the rankings and if you know what's been happening as of late here with 10370 a lot of changes but it will be me flying solo for the 20 by 20 programs podcast. Just listen to it. We'll have it up not long after under the dome wraps up, which means that I'll be talking for quite a while about a lot of different things. So check that out. 
when you get a chance before, obviously, SummerSlam or TakeOver Toronto going on tonight. But other things, we got to kind of get to what's causing all this. What's causing me to get mad about, obviously, a former Steeler, now an Oakland Raider, who has no involvement with me. But I want to get into a lot of thoughts because I have a lot of them when it comes to Antonio Brown. But before all that, I want to kind of give you an idea what's coming up on the program today. We got Brooks Cabina of The Advocate joining the show at 10.30. We'll be talking a little LSU training camp because their first scrimmage is coming up later today. A lot of observations. Joe Burrow not a practice. Is this something to be concerned about? Or is this something that you can kind of like throw to the wayside and not necessarily as worried about it as, say, we were yesterday when we saw the news pop up. I believe Brooks was the one who tweeted this out. So we'll talk to him about that at 10.30. At 11.30, we can have a lot of fun. We always like to have this at 11.30. It's always penciled in for the most part. Is Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked on Saints podcast. That's when we have on our guy, Ross Jackson, kind of give us a little recap of what happened last night with the Minnesota Vikings observations, grade, how he grades out the performance of the New Orleans Saints. Hey, if you want to grade out your performance of the New Orleans Saints, the Arco Equipment Hotline, it is open, 337 706 0111 And also, I'd recommend you call us up as well if you want to get into our 1037 The Game Fantasy League. I'm here. Call me up. The Under the Dome Fantasy League still needs a lot of participants. The 10-team league, get your shots up as quickly as possible. We want you to be part of the program. We want you to be part of this fantasy league. And trust me, it's going to be a lot of fun. So hurry up, call me up, 337-706-0111. Or, or if you're if you're tech savvy enough, want to hit us up with a direct message on our Twitter at 1037 the game. You hit me up with a DM on Twitter with your email and your number. We will gladly have you be a part of the program. So why not just hit us up however you do so? Hit us up. You can private message us on Facebook, Twitter. However, I want you in. Let's get it going. And we're going to go ahead and take that quick commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to bring you back to the bottom of the map and talk a lot about Antonio Brown and his buffoonery. We'll talk about that next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make the rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. 337-706-0111. If you want to get in on the conversation about Antonio Brown and his antics, let's just put it that way. I'm getting tired of his antics. But hey, if you also want to get in on our 103.7 The Game Fantasy League, you can call us up 
on the Arco Equipment Hotline, 337-706-0111. Private messages on Facebook, Twitter, however you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with us, and we will talk to you. That way we can get you in on the action. The league is coming up this Wednesday, so not much time to get in on the action. Come up, meet us at Twin Peaks on Johnson Eats, Drinks, Scenic Views, and Fantasy Football. Who doesn't love that kind of combination? Let me talk to you now about what's going on with the man himself, Antonio Brown, A.B., formerly 84. And I got to say, looking forward to seeing how this whole thing goes. It's been an absolute mess at the moment. Just what's been going on with him. First, you have the former Steeler get frostbite on his foot after going through cryotherapy. Just a pro tip for anybody who ever is going to think about going through cryotherapy. Make sure you follow the rules and you put your shoes on when you go in there because that thing is going to be cold. That is damn near sub-zero temperatures. I've never done it personally, but if you've ever done it, you know that you need to keep your shoes on in there. That is going to be incredibly cold. Why are you going to have your shoes off? And I don't know if he had his feet fully exposed, but you got to think hypothetically. His feet were exposed throughout that entire thing. Keep your shoes on if you're about to go into a sub-zero environment, you absolute Melvin. That's like if I wound up going into, and, you know, this is me kind of going back in the gap when I used to work in retail. I used to work in grocery stores, and I used to go into freezers pretty consistently. I'm not going to go in there with no shoes on and, and no socks. That's dumb. I'm not going to do that. That's, that's a bad look. You do that, and you're a pro athlete going into a cryotherapy chamber. Again, with no shoes on, no socks on, you are an absolute idiot, and you got to get what's coming to you. It's almost like the it's the reverse. You know, you put your hand on the stove when you're a little kid, and your mama tells you not to, and you do it, and you realize, oh, that's hot. Oh, this is cold. Why do I have my shoes off? You're an idiot. Antonio Brown, you're an idiot. But then you go MIA and reports, this is coming from Pittsburgh Radio yesterday, was that he has been radio silent for some reason or another. And then it comes out not long after that that he'll never play football again unless he's able to wear his football helmet that he's worn for the last 10 years. You heard me right. The reason why Antonio Brown wants to retire here and now and referencing the 2002 movie Paid in Full is because my football helmet, I'm not able to wear it anymore. Quit being a crybaby. This is the hill you're going to die on, pal. Like, I'm sorry, Brown. I get it. You know, you want to complain about the certified helmet that protrudes out and interferes with the vision as he tries to catch a football. But guess what? You, you should be able to be an elite wide receiver with whatever helmet is allowed by the NFL. You have there's a specific rule in place in the NFL where after 10 years of use, that helmet can no longer be used. That helmet fades away and is classified as obsolete. That's where we're at. That's my complaint right here, right now. You want to retire because you can't wear your football helmet you've worn for however long you've been in the league. You're 31 years old, and this is the hill you're going to die on about ending your career on that note. You are the biggest jamoke I've ever seen. Dude, you've got to prioritize. What kind of you need to prioritize things, you know? I'd get it, you know, if he was retiring because, oh hey, he wasn't getting paid enough. I would understand that. I would I would understand that. Rather than you complaining about the fact that your helmet 
is not your helmet is not allowed anymore. I'm sorry. There's a lot of other things you can complain about. You know, mental health. I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. Complain about you know. There's a lot of things you complain about. You know, you're you're complaining about the safety, player safety. You're complaining about all this stuff. But guess what? Your helmet's ten years old. It's following within the rules. And guess what? This is helping you because these helmets are a little bit more new and they're able to help a lot more with avoiding the dreaded c word. Yes, concussions. I feel like this is just ridiculous thing that you you're prioritizing instead of other things like player safety. This helps with player safety in my mind. You want to complain about oh hey, the protrusion not being able to help you see the ball whenever you catch it. I'm like, dude, there's other ways to do this. You know, look at Lamar Jackson's helmet. I saw this last night on the four letter network after the Saints game wrapped up, was they showed Lamar Jackson's helmet. It's very similar to where you're able to have full vision. You can use that, but I feel like you're just complaining for the sake of complaining so you can have an out because apparently he's wanted to be out of the league while he's good and healthy. And I understand that completely because the NFL is the heart is pretty much like blood sport. The way things are, it's like it's definitely a nasty sport, especially nowadays where guys are just so athletic. They're able to just destroy you with a tackle. One hit can kind of jar you and ruin your life. We see we hear all the stories about CTE and all that, and we get that. But, you know, there's a way you can do it. There's a way you need to do it. You mean to kind of you, you could just say, you know what, I'm done. Like I after the Steelers, he could have just said, you know what, I'm done. But now he makes John Gruden and Mike Mayock look like even more Jamokes and makes hard knocks look kind of like Jamokes because now you don't have Antonio Brown there doing the antics, doing the things that makes him Antonio Brown and makes hard knocks at least somewhat entertaining. Last year was probably the best hard knocks of all time because of the Cleveland Browns and all the antics they started doing, and obviously Bob Wiley and it said, hut. I absolutely love that. But again, if A.B. is really done in the NFL, I say good riddance to bad rubbish. He's a great wideout, but sometimes being a head case is going to overshadow that athletic ability. In that case, Antonio Brown, good riddance to bad rubbish. It's even better for him to get out now because the dude's 31 years old, as I mentioned earlier. And he can enjoy life after football with a good bit of money in his pocket. And again, makes John Gruden and Mike Mayock look like absolute jamokes. And sometimes... Making those two guys look like Melvins is the best possible thing. Whew, there we go. Got, got myself worked into the shoot a little bit. Then again, I was just already worked into it from the jump street. But again, that's about all I have to say about that. I got a lot more to talk about with Brooks Cabina of The Advocate when it comes to LSU football training camp underway. And hey, why not just listen in to 103.7 game to hear that. And by the way, guess what? We have an LSU football here all season long right here on 103.7 The Game. Don't forget about that. Two-hour pregame, like 90-minute postgame. And in between that, just three to four hours of fantastic football. Ed Ogeron, year number three for him. And my goodness, it's going to be a fun season. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Under the Dome, coming up next. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. You Manchester United supporters, sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with me for CD. Hope you really have a great Saturday afternoon. And LSU is getting ready for their first preseason game. No, college football doesn't have preseason games. We're talking about their first scrimmage. Coach O likes to label it as such. And we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more because obviously a lot of big headlines kind of popped up over the last 24 hours. And to talk all of it, we're going to go over to the Arco Equipment Hotline and talk with Brooks Cabina of the Advocate, some LSU Tigers football. What's going on, my man? Hey, man, just start my Saturday morning. How are you? I am doing pretty good. Start my Saturday morning off right as well. And, of course, the first thing I want to talk about, Joe Burrow not at camp yesterday. I think that was definitely something that caught a lot of people off guard. Is this a cause for concern? No, I don't think it's a cause for concern. Um, from what I know, this is just something that he should be you know, back with him, uh, if not today, tomorrow. And um, it, it doesn't seem to be anything that should have anybody scared at all. And again, it's just one of those things where you see this just before the first scrimmage. And of course, we were hearing a lot of other sources as well saying that if it were game day, he'd probably be playing tomorrow. But you look at a lot of these other guys as well. Like We look at what's been going on throughout training camp. A lot of defensive players especially We've heard a lot of the same thing where they're banged up, but they'll be back soon enough. I want to get your thoughts on that. Are you surprised to see how little Coach Joe has given away in terms of info compared to maybe what he did last year? No, I mean, Ogeron's always been a little guarded when it comes to injuries throughout camp and everything else because sometimes, you know, there are minor nicks and stuff that, you know, you don't want to get overblown. I think what you're seeing in this uh, in this uh, preseason camp is – I mean, over the offseason, there were a lot of offseason surgeries, you know, from Chasen Hines to Richard Lawrence. Joe Burrow was even walking around with a sling, if you saw him on times. Um, and a lot of those guys throughout this preseason camp are getting days off. Uh, Richard Lawrence had a couple of days off, and then he came back. Chasen Hines, who had a, you know offseason surgery on his knee, um, you know, took a couple of days off on, and then returned to practice um, yesterday. After uh, getting Thursday off, none of the nobody practiced on Thursday. So you're seeing a lot of guys who had these off-season surgeries. Also, you know, Derek Dillon had a hip surgery in the off-season, missed the whole entire spring. He's now back. Um, so I, I think that's mostly what you're seeing. Uh, there was just a high rate of that in the off-season. They're trying to, you know, work them back and give them some time to recover. Talking right now with Brooks Cabina of The Advocate and just kind of sticking with what's going on with LSU training camp and how you're seeing a lot of these players go down with being nicked up, banged up, however you want to wind up putting it, is just thinking about it, like how much of this has to do also with the fact that you've got so much depth at every position where you can actually work around it and go three deep with a lot of these positions, especially and the most important position of them all when it comes to the SEC is the offensive line and defensive line. Well, you know, they didn't really have much depth on the offensive line while they were missing some guys. They had 11 out of 17 at a certain point. Um, and, you know, recently uh, that, that, was, that, was, that was kind of, you know, a, a bit of a problem um, because they didn't have a backup center. Um, so, you know, what, what they were doing was uh, Chase and Hines was supposed to take some snaps at center and Charles Turner, a freshman, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't around. And then, uh, you know, is still, is still not back. And uh, I mean, I mean, came back, uh, you know, ar- around the time and, you know, they didn't have him there. So, uh, you know, sit, uh, 
Charles Turner wasn't back. Uh, he, he's, he's still out with kind of a minor injury. But Cardell Thomas, if the offensive guard, finally came back. So you know, they didn't have much uh, throughout there, and they're just now starting to come back. So, you know, it, it's, it, it was a cause of concern for Ogeron when he talked last Tuesday because um, that, was, that was something he went out and recruited to try and build up that depth. And uh, that's something that's still coming together for him now. Another thing he talked about as well earlier this week was the fact that the offensive line may be one of the most improved groups at this point in time. How much of that has to do with the fact Sadiq Charles is starting to kind of get back into the groove of things? So Sadiq Charles, and there's a story I wrote about him in today's paper, and online you can check it at theadvocate.com. He's an interesting example of what the offensive line has been through the past couple of years because he, he came into a situation where you know he was he was expected to have some time to wait, um, you know, go in and uh, find his time. But the tumult on the offensive line started right when he got onto campus. I mean, if you remember, uh, Maya Tayuma was suspended due to academics at the start of that preseason camp, which immediately uh, thrust Charles and at the time true freshman Ed Ingram both for the starting job at the right guard. And Sadiq got in and went to right guard, and then uh, Ed Ingram eventually. Uh, took hold of that, and then it was thought that Charles would get some time as, as a depth guy. And then later on, he had to replace the, the the left tackle that went down that year, and he started the rest of the seven games. And then, last, and then, you know, whenever he came in from high school, he had only been playing left tackle for one season. He switched from the defensive line to offensive tackle because they had an injury in high school, and he just took off from there. So he was still learning the position. I got a chance to talk to. Him one of his high school coaches and said his technique was just, just bad. You know, I mean, it's it, it, coming from the defensive side, offensive tackle is difficult. He said he moved like a linebacker. He was just quick enough and he had played goalie. He was an all state goalie for um, the high school team. And he knew how to move his feet and get around, but he moved kind of like a linebacker. So he was still trying to learn the position. Plus he had an off season. He had a lingering uh, shoulder injury that he played through in, uh, 2017, and then ended up getting off-season surgery, and went into the 2018 spring camp. It was limited, and he wasn't able to go through as much of the weightlifting and all that stuff and development. And then he went last year and and struggled be, because of that. And this is the first time he's at full strength in his college career. And it seems like they have some stability on the offensive line. And uh, you know he, he he feels confident and comfortable, and is finally getting into the technique that they want him to run. Talk right now with Brooks Cabina of The Advocate. And obviously, I want to get your thoughts because you've been out there at training camp and seeing all these guys practice. Who's who's impressed you so far? On the offensive line? No, just it, on the entire team in general. Well, um, you know, it's it, it's it's difficult sometimes when you just watch individual drills. And, you know, I, it, it, would, it would take some sort of – you you try not to make too much or too little of how people look in, in, in individual drills, but, you know, just looking at pure athleticism and seeing how guys work, you really wonder, um, you know, I, 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 people that jump out are obviously guys like Marcel Brooks, who is a true freshman safety came in from Dallas, a five-star guy who's expected to be used a lot like Grant Delpit. And I, I pair what I see on the field from there with what, how Ogeron talks about him. Um, off the off the uh, off the field in, in, in news conferences because he said that they may even go to different formations in order to get him involved. Uh, he mentioned using a bandit type defense, which uses about seven defensive backs, 
just to get them on the field. So whenever you hear coaches talk about uh, changing formations and types of play to get a guy involved, you know, that just tells you how they, how they view them as a player. And I think Marcel has definitely uh, worked his way into impressing the coaches and in, 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 in just as he arrived on campus uh, starting in August. Talking now with Brooks Cabina of the Advocate, a couple more things for him. And what's the hottest position battle that you've observed or Coach O has brought up in terms of just just the heat in general with the, with the position battles? I think the hottest position battle right now is at nose tackle. And I don't think it's the one with the highest stakes. I think they'll be they'll be fine off whether it's Tyler Shelvin or Apu Aika. And honestly, whoever wins that battle is probably going to be rotating at that position anyway. Uh, but that's the one that's getting the most talk. The one that has the most, uh, you know, I guess, uh, stakes is inside linebacker. I think Jacob Phillips last year, whenever he started most of the season, um, was expected to have that position again. And now he's in a three-way battle for that job with Patrick Queen, who's, who backed up Devin White last year, and uh, – and Damone Clark, who played mostly on special teams last year. Ed Ogeron has complimented Damone Clark very highly, and it sounds like we got a chance to talk with him last weekend. And Generally, when players come out and talk, they've, they've earned some sort of status on the team to, to be given that opportunity. And it seems like Clark is really impressed and could get that shot to possibly start there. So, you know, and, and Phillips wasn't – he was a good linebacker last year, so that must mean that Clark has come along in the ways that they want him to. And uh, Ogeron said he could even start uh, if he if he plays well enough. So that that one is a good one to keep an eye on. Earlier this week, Brooks, we saw the 2020 schedule get released for the SEC, which seems way too early, but it's the conference. It just means more, so I guess it just means earlier schedules for each year. Who knows? Maybe we'll get the 2021 schedule once the tw- once the 2019 season ends. But that being said, I was definitely surprised, and I want to get your thoughts on this, seeing Auburn and Texas A&M back-to-back in the month of November. Because it's been a long time since we've seen Auburn take on LSU in November. Yeah, I mean, that that paired with Ole Miss moving very to up, up to the front, uh, playing in September, that's, that's a new thing with LSU and Ole Miss the past couple of years. I think last year was the first time they played in September since the 1940s, I believe. Uh, it just... That was traditionally just played later on in the season, and and they're flipping it up. They're changing it up, and um, I think just the state of how those programs are. I mean, almost Ole Miss is still in kind of a rebuilding phase, and Auburn is, uh, you know, sometimes inconsistent, but but powerful nonetheless in the past couple of years. Putting those back to back with Texas A and M certainly is difficult, and I mean that last stretch is pretty brutal. Pairing that with Alabama and, and South Carolina. And uh, you know, finishing off that year, it's just it's it's difficult close. It's not it's not going to be easy in the SEC. But you know, the other thing that I noticed about that schedule is basically the first five games are at home. Uh, you know, it's it's a neutral site game with Rice, but you know, Houston's probably got more LSU fans than Rice fans in some capacity, so it could be considered a home game in some ways. Uh, but certainly, uh, it, it's it's favorable at the start for them, but. There is that there is that uh, difficulty at the end for sure. One more for you, Brooks. A little bit more on the lighter side of things because obviously everybody was talking about the food that was served to y'all the other day after my LSU practice and after the Coach O press conference. How was the food over there? Yeah, it was fine. I was filing off a story um, 
to get before deadline, but uh, I, I pulled up some. I, I, I was trying. I was trying to be healthy. I didn't go too hard on it. I just got some salad and ate it. So I did see the other plates, and it looked good. And uh, I, I, I think everybody else was pretty pretty pleased with uh, the the allotted food that was there. Uh, there was certainly a lot of it: gumbo, uh, pizza, all sorts of things. And just seeing the players' reaction over the past couple of weeks, um, you know, since it's open, they've been they've been very pleased. Brooks, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, you, you too. You have a good one. All right, that was Brooks Cabina. You can follow him over on Twitter at B Cabina. You know, we like to do things a little bit differently on the show, and I want to give you an idea of what's going on around the MLB. Because trust me, a lot of interesting things happened last night, and I'll get you to that in just a little bit. But first, got to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with a whole lot more on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game. Before we take that break, one more thing i got to bring up, and that is a chance for you to win a Tiger Road trip to see LSU take on the Texas Longhorns for the first time in program history. All you got to do is enter in the 103.7 The Game Clubhouse at 103.7thegame.com so you can enter in to win this awesome road trip to see the LSU Tigers take on those Texas Longhorns. This is the first time ever in Darrell K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. Week number two of the college football season. Is Texas back or is LSU going to shut them down like they did the U last year? We shall see. Back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. The numbers don't lie. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Get back! Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here in Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live for the 237 Roof Studios, the Arco Equipment Hotline is still open. Still plenty of time for you to get your shots up when it comes to our 103.7 The Game Fantasy League. This Wednesday, Twin Peaks on Johnson. Myself, I'll be doing my draft, so make sure you get in on it. It's a 10-team league, and right now, I'm standing... Halfway there, living on a prayer, including, obviously, me, myself, and I. I can't win what we got up for grabs, but you can win what's up for grabs. All you got to do is enter in the league. You can DM us as well at 103.7thegame, or if you're cool enough, I'd say recommend you do that as well on my Twitter account. And trust me, those DMs, they are wide open. So make sure you get your shots up. Make sure you can be there this coming Wednesday for our Twin Peaks Fantasy Draft Watch Party. We got that coming up for you. And something else just kind of popped up as the show got kickstarted. Never quite got to it. Before I get to what's going on around the world of Major League Baseball, I'm going to start off bringing up this breaking news concerning the Alabama Crimson Tide. They lost five-star running back Trey Sanders. Alabama freshman suffered significant foot injury in practice. The last play in Thursday's practice, he's expected to miss the rest of the season, the entire season, because the season hasn't started yet. But he's going to wind up being a key loss for 
the Crimson Tide. So something just to keep an eye on over the next couple of months. Because, again, they still have Najee Harris, but that's going to be a huge loss for them in terms of overall depth. I think you could wind up being an RB2 if you want him staying a little bit healthier. But, of course, that's not what, 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 what we're here to talk about. There we go. And what we're here to talk about is, without a doubt, what's going on around the MLB before we wrap up our number one. The grind of baseball season is a long one, and the famous CD isn't afraid of rounding the bases on a Saturday morning. Time to play ball and touch them all, right here on 103.7 The Game. We got to start things off looking at the AL West, a matchup between the Oakland A's and the Chicago White Sox. Mike Fires, we didn't start him tonight, last night, but the A's sure did, and he paid off quite well. Seven innings, allowing only three hits and struck out eight on the way to a pretty convincing 7-0 win over the White Sox. A big highlight outside of Mike Fires was Steven Piscotti, maybe related to Donna Pizzotti from That 70s Show. Just kidding. Here's the 2-1 pitch by Ross Detweiler now, and Piscotti drills one to left way back. Jimenez will turn and watch it fly, and it's 2-0 Athletics. And no doubt, well back in the seats in left field for Piscotti in his 11th home run, and it's 2-0 A's in the second. Pretty good performance from the Oakland A's, but of course, we got to talk about the hottest team in all of baseball, and that is the New York Mets. Michael Conforto, the con man, Getting it done and feeling pretty good after this. Here's the 2-2 pitch. Swing and a drive to right. Eaton going back. Eaton still going. It's over his head. The Mets are going to win. Here comes Ladaris around third. He scores standing as the ball sits on the warning track. Put it in the box. The Mets have defeated the Washington Nationals 7-6. That's definitely a lot of good stuff right there. Michael Conforto actually after the game talked about the win. It's unbelievable. You guys... It was unbelievable. It was like playoffs, man. That's what we want to do. So uh, keep uh, keep coming out and supporting us, and uh, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets, and the Mets are starting to make a run. Could they wind up getting it done and get into the postseason? You can only imagine half a game back in the wild card. Give me the full deets on that in a little bit. But the team's been on a seven-game win streak. I believe they've won 14 of like their last 17 or 14 of 15. It's an incredible margin what they've been doing as of late. Just phenomenal stuff right there. And then, of course, the Bravos got it done last night against the Miami Marlins. And it's safe to say that Ronald Acuna got jiggy with it last night. Two home runs. Driven deep to right, back toward the wall. It is gone for Ronald Acuna. Two-run bomb to right, his second home run of the game. Home run number 32 for Ronald Acuna. And the Braves' lead is back to four runs now. It's 8-4. to four. The Houston Astros struck. The Houston Astros got a little scared late last night against the Baltimore Orioles when the O's hit a solo shot in the bottom of the seventh to make it 3-2. to two. But the RBI triple from Tuve in the top of the seventh was more than enough to give them an edge and the win. Here's the pitch. And he rifles this one to right center field, and that's in the gap. That one will roll to the wall. Scoring is Torinos. Altuve, he's booking for third. And he's going to stand as he gets to third with a triple. Makes it a three-to-one ball game. Seventh straight win. Tied currently for the best record in the major leagues at 76-40 and 40 with the New York Yankees being the other team. When you look at the 
other AL divisions. AL Central right now currently knotted up with Cleveland and Minnesota at 70 and 46. Right now, I'd say the Tampa Bay Rays are in the thick of it when it comes to the wild card race right behind them. The Oakland A's half a game back. Cleveland and Minnesota are obviously going to be in the wild card race because they're currently knotted up for the division lead. Looking at the NL right now, the Chicago Cubs taking control of the Central. 63 and 60. Excuse me, 63 and 53. Had a little dust on the screen there. The LA Dodgers, 77 and 41. Then you got the Atlanta Braves, currently at a nice 69 and 49 record. And currently the Washington Nationals, 61 and 54. And the Milwaukee Brewers are currently in the Catbird seat for the wild card race. But like I mentioned, we've still got some competition at this point in time when it comes to the wild card race. The St. Louis Cardinals, the New York Mets, and the Philadelphia Phillies all only a half game back. And the Arizona D-backs right behind them at one and a half games behind in the wild card race. Going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game, hour number two, coming up next. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with a CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game. And 1037thegame.com. And now here comes the fun part. We finally get to talk some New Orleans Saints preseason football, baby. Hey, why not just call us up on the Arco Equipment Hotline, 337-706-0111. The Arco Equipment Hotline, it is absolutely, positively wide open. So why not just call us up if you want to get your shots up about that. And also, hey, if you want to call us up and get in touch about the fantasy football league that's been coming up this this coming Wednesday. The Under the Dome League is where it's at, where you've got five members. So hurry up and get your shots up. We've got five spots left. I think I've got one. I'm kind of waiting on. So technically, I'd say almost four spots left. So make sure you get your shots up, however you can. Call us up three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. You can tweet at us at one zero three seven. The game will ask you to DM us. Or you can tweet at me, at Clint Doming, C-L-I-N-T-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. Or, hey, why not check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1037thegame. You can hit us up through there privately with your email and your phone number, and we will gladly get you in on the action. That's how we do things here on Acadiana Sports Station. We want you to be part of our stuff. That is the Fantasy Football League. This coming Wednesday, Twin Peaks on Johnson Eats, Drinks, Scenic Views. And now, we're going to talk about some preseason football, folks. And my goodness, 
a tough loss for the New Orleans Saints last night, preseason opener in the Superdome. Definitely a packed house, to say the least, and you don't see that too often when it comes to preseason games. Games that don't matter, but people were there, and people were having a whole lot of fun. And, of course, I'm going to start off looking at the positives. Because the positives for me was the offensive side of the football, namely Teddy Two Gloves. The man was just phenomenal in the first half. 14 of 19, 134 yards, and a touchdown. That's really good. Again, solid first half, especially at the end. That two-minute offense he put together was exquisite. And it really shows how Teddy Bridgewater is playing like the Teddy of old. He's not having to try and be like a Drew Brees 2.0 or 1.5. He is Teddy Bridgewater 1.0. And he's doing it the right way. He's doing everything the way he needs to be. He's probably upgraded from 1.0 to the Teddy Bridgewater OS 5.0 because he looked really, really good in preseason. He played the entire first half. The second half was all Taysom Hill. I'll get to him in a minute. But, of course, Latavius Murray showed a lot of great ability as a receiver in the backfield. Three catches for 22 yards. Is that going to be his role going forward? I don't know. But, again, he... Wound up showing a lot of ability as a receiver in the backfield. Three catches for 22 yards. Let's get out to the Arco Equipment Hotline right now. No idea who it is because, again, I don't have a producer, so it's kind of hard for me to know who's on the line. But I'll go ahead and get to it right now. Who we got on the Arco Equipment Hotline? Okay. Mr. Daltone, thank you very much for calling in. Again, Latavius Murray showed ability as a receiver in the backfield. Will he wind up doing that going forward? I don't know, but if he does, that creates a lot of intrigue in how you see Sean Payton utilize running backs as receivers going forward. Because, again, you know, that adds an extra weapon to it. Is Everybody's going to, obviously, when the season starts, is going to be wind up covering Michael Thomas and Jared Cook. You have a guy like Alvin Kamara who can be a lethal weapon, and you also have Latavius Murray, who's who's shown he's not necessarily as big of a player as, say, a Mark Ingram, who definitely was used more as a bowling ball, a guy who just pushes through the line and gets those 10 yards in a cloud of dust that you need in key moments. But Murray can be utilized in more than one way. I think that's something just to kind of keep an eye on and put a pin in that for now. And the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde Award has to go to Dan Hay Arnold. He got a nice touchdown reception at the end of the first half to make it a, I believe him, a two-point ball game. It was 14-12 at half. But then you had a pick six. It was a bobbled pass and just landed right in the dude's arms. Landed right in the dude's arms for a pick six. I'll say this. I loved what I saw from Dan Arnold last season. Dude, pretty much, whenever you see a guy with two first names, you can't help but to love the guy. Great guy and team player, pro's pro. What I saw last night, what I saw in that performance last night, it's almost to be expected. Like I played a two-minute drill. Sean Payton not necessarily pleased with it, but he likes what he's seen from him throughout the season. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in 2019. If he winds up being part of this 53-man roster, remains to be seen. But, you know, again, that one moment of pick six, and this is not going to be a knock on Taysom Hill at all. It's just more the fact that you've got a guy like Dan Arnold not necessarily being able to hold on to the football, and it looked like he basically just gave it away. 
And then we got to look at Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, he got that. He was the one who threw the interception, but I'm not necessarily putting that interception on him. The onus is not entirely on him for that. The onus for him has to be without a doubt from Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill did Taysom Hill things. He led the team in rushing. You heard me right. Led the team in rushing because again, Kamara was, I believe he played maybe one play. Taysom Hill did Taysom things. Very impressive. I didn't get to see much of Eric McCoy, a guy who I'm very interested in seeing. He wound up getting the start at the center position, hopefully a sign of things to come. But, again, I'd probably have to wind up looking more and more at the film. I know he allowed a sack, so that's going to be something just kind of like put a pin. Again, just like what I was talking about with him, uh, Latavius Murray, very good, very good player. I think that's something you need to put a pin in, just like seeing, you know, Obviously, Taysom Hill doing Taysom things, leading the team in rushing. Alvin Kamara only get, only playing a little bit, and Eric McCoy getting the start at center. That's the other thing I wanted to put a pin in. Had to kind of go back and put things. Another big note has to be Cyril Grayson, former LSU track star. He looked pretty decent last night as well, late in the first half, with a nice 32-yard catch. But then we got to kind of flip things over to the defensive side of the football. Ugh. Defense was pa bon, especially in the first half. Several big plays that I noticed gave the Vikes ample opportunities to get points on the board. The only time they didn't was late in the first half. Vince Beagle got a fumble recovery in Saints territory. It proved to be huge because it wound up getting things and preventing them from getting out of hand quickly and gave the Saints a chance to get the ball with about two minutes left and get an opportunity to play make it take it. In that aspect, defense looked good. But for the most part, they absolutely looked like they were just outplayed and outclassed by second stringers. And again, that might be the fact that you saw a lot more second stringers. You didn't see Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan didn't play a damn down all day long. Cam Jordan did not play. You saw Drew Brees. He didn't play. Hashtag as expected. But again, a lot of things to kind of just look at for that perspective. 460 yards of total offense. Not the way you want to start the preseason. Thankfully, it's not the regular season, but 460 total yards allowed. I believe that's about like eight point yards per. It's like eight yards per play, something along, something along those range. I just don't have the note in front of me right now, but it was eight. I think it was eight point six yards per play last night for the Minnesota Vikings. That's definitely a disappointing thing when you just look at what's going on with the New Orleans Saints again. It's preseason, glorified practice, but there's a lot of things that did also stand out in terms of individual players. Little Jordan Humphreys, a 33-yard touchdown catch, was absolutely fantastic, and I can't wait to see him do some things as well. He, he's a guy that wound up not necessarily getting a whole lot of pub in training camp, but he's a guy that wound up getting a lot of love last preseason. He's a guy that's going to wind up probably making some competition, making some leeway into making the practice squad. Because I don't think he's 53-man roster-worthy but he is worthwhile in terms of the practice squad. Cyril Grayson, speed kills. The guy was absolutely just, he's an absolute stud because the fact he's got a, like an elite 4-4-40. You do that kind of stuff, you deserve a spot on the roster, especially as a special teams guy. That dude can wind up being an absolute monster. They look pretty good as well at in the special teams aspect of the game. I just don't have those stats readily available, but they look good in the kick return in the part return game, the few times they actually had the team punt. Players that sat out again, 
center players just sat out because, well, as expected, Cam Jordan, Drew Brees, and notable ones. No, no surprise there. Or just because of the fact that like, they don't need to play these preseason games. They do not need to risk any further injury. Do not let Cam Jordan, Drew Brees play. You can put them in pads just because, well, why not? Let it be part of the pregame warm-up and the, and the chant and all that. Do that. That's great. But from time to time, you just got to realize, hey, like this guy doesn't need to play an entire preseason schedule. Cam Jordan, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas didn't play. A lot of other notable guys did not play last night. So, again, while the loss against the Minnesota Vikings was a terrible one, I can't fault them at all for it because guess what? The bottom line is this. They wound up still looking pretty decent in that performance, in that losing effort. The defense still has a lot of work to do, and again, a lot of that is young guys. Those young guys have to set their game up in a big way. Again, that's just my perspective. You can call us up right now. Our co-equipment hotline is open, 337-706-0111. Other things kind of worth talking about today. Obviously, you know, Cage's LSU first scrimmage. Talk with Brooks Cabina earlier in the program. We'll have that up on demand soon enough. You can check that out on 1037thegame.com. Other big things we'll talk about in the next segment is Raging Cajuns football. And also, Joe Burrow not at Friday practice. We got our, the perspective from Joe Burrow. And now we're going to go over to the Arco Equipment Hotline. Don't know who it is, so we're going to figure out who it is. Probably a big surprise, or it's just Mr. Dalton once again. What's going on, man? Hey, did you watch the game last night? I did watch the game last night, man. What's up? Did you watch the game last night? I did, yes. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you did. I watched I watched play. Okay, whatever, but like I said, I I observed what I observed, okay? And I felt like, you know, 460 yards of total offense allowed by the Saints defense, definitely not good. I enjoyed what I saw in spurts. Again, was it a phenomenal performance? No. Was it a great performance? Probably not. Like, again, this is just my perspective. If you think I'm wrong, if you think I didn't watch the game, you're dead wrong. I watched plenty of that game last night, and, hey, maybe you didn't watch the game last night. Maybe you maybe you watched another preseason game. Maybe you watched the Nolan No call. Maybe you watched something else. Maybe, just maybe, you know, if you want to kind of talk a little trash, come with more than that, pal. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break before I get worked into a shoot, and I say some things I don't want to say because y'all trying to get me back to the old me. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Every time CD takes the mic, is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live for the 237 Roof Studios. And, of course, now I'm going to flip it over. Do a little Cajuns talk. Why not? Because, hey, guess what? Their first scrimmage is tonight as well. Just like LSU's first, as they put it, preseason game. Billy Napier just put it simple. It's a scrimmage. And, hey, want to kind of dive into that a little bit as well when it comes to the Louisiana Rage. Cajuns, a lot of hype surrounding the team. Year two under Billy Napier. 
obviously you got Levi Lewis first year. He's going to be taking snaps as the number one QB. It's his to lose, of course, also barring anything out of the ordinary. But we're going to start things off just kind of looking at what the scrimmage is going to be like. And Billy Napier gave us his perspective on what that should be like. And it'd be probably similar to what we did, what they did last year. It's, it's relatively the same. You know, we want to keep the calls on each side of the ball simple enough to where maybe it's not um, pre-calculus out there, right? Let's keep it in that basic math, algebra one, so that we can evaluate the young players and see who actually can play when we put the ball down. But, you know, you're evaluating all the intangible things, you know, poise, discipline, what type of toughness do they have, can they respond when maybe – they make, they make a mistake, um, you know, their motor, their effort, and certainly the coaches go off the field and the communication becomes a premium. Um, so, you know, it's time to go play football and we'll see who's at their best in those competitive situations. And, you know, you'll, you'll identify guys who maybe, you know, he's a young player and we need to get him ready to go. Is it going to be more of a... Some great stuff right there from Billy Napier. But, of course, the other big thing that everybody has been talking about is, without a doubt, what's going on with Braden Hawkins, the transfer we had on several weeks ago during Under the Dome, and his waiver pass. That was one of the big things. You know, is his hardship waiver going to wind up passing? Because if not, that winds up putting him in a different situation. The good thing is he's going to actually be ready to go right here, right now. And he gets an extra year, Napier mentioned, so basically, he'll be a four. He'll get all his four years in with the Raging Cajuns. That is absolutely awesome. Now, will he play? You know, that's that remains to be seen. Is again, you've got a crowded house right now. Javi Magale, you've got Clifton McDowell, you've got Chandler Fields, the crown jewel of last year's recruiting class from New Orleans. He's a guy that's gonna you're gonna have to keep an eye on. But according to Billy Napier, he's going to be competing for that QB. He's going to be in that mix for the QB three role, but don't be surprised if he winds up competing for that QB two slot with, as I mentioned, Magale and McDowell. I mean, all he can do and all we can do is give him opportunities, and then we'll see where he's at and we'll evaluate it more and more as we go. But, you know, he's going to get reps, and I think just like Chandler, just like Clifton, you know, I think that's where the competition is at is who's the three, you know. Right now, I think we got a pretty pretty clear one and two. I was betting, um, but it's early, you know. And I think once we get into scrimmage situations, once we have more and more team settings, we're going to find out more about Chandler Fields. We're going to find out more about how much progress Clifton McDowell has made. Uh, all three of those guys are in a little bit different place, you know. You got Clifton who enrolled early. Uh, certainly, he's a little, probably a little bit ahead. Chandler, who got here in the summer, we knew he was going to be eligible. He's been taking more reps than Braden. Braden, who got here in the summer, didn't anticipate or know exactly where that was going to go, so he's had limited reps. So they're all in different places, um, and all they can control is just try to be the best they can be every day, and that's the focus that I hope that they'll take, and that's certainly what the focus will take. Definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with that first scrimmage. Will Braden Hawkins get a lot, get a little bit more reps in this one? I don't necessarily think so. I think he'll save that for the second scrimmage because now you got to wind up getting him a lot more consistent reps because he hasn't necessarily been the guy getting like a ton of play because obviously he 
wasn't able to. He was kind of waiting for that waiver to pass. So that's to be something just to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. And, of course, this is all about the second scrimmage, the first scrimmage, excuse me, the first scrimmage for the Cajuns in fall camp or actually training camp. I don't know why we call it fall whenever we're still in the first or second week of August and this stuff's going on. And this is actually going to be closed to the public, only for select people, i.e. not me. I'm going to see this. And while no positions are 100% locked down, actually, you know, one of the things that Napier talked about was the wide receiver one and two look to be firmly in control of two guys. And it feels like it's just no surprise who those two guys are in Bam Jackson and Jamarcus Bradley. Both those guys are lights out right now. They're they're in their prime and they're certainly refining their game. You know, they 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 played significant snaps last year and we're working on minor details, you know, to try to get them to play an elite level football at receiver. Definitely just it's gonna be fun to see those two go at it. Obviously there's gonna be some other guys. Wide receiver three is gonna be interesting to see where that goes. But another thing worth bringing up, obviously, is what's going on at the center position because that's the biggest storyline everybody's been talking about is what's going to happen with that position. Now that Cole Prudhomme is done for the year, Napier actually gave us a little update on that. Yeah, that's that's some of the questions that we have every day. You know, Shane has taken most of the reps as the first center. Luke Junkins uh, takes a lot of reps at center with the second group, but we have played Ken Marks in there. We have played Jax Harrington in there. We have played Spencer Gardner in there. Uh, so those are kind of the candidates. And I think it's more about, okay, great or good here, what's the best five that can work as one that we put out there? And then you got to look into, okay, if a guy gets banged up, do you want to make a one-for-one swap or do you want to have maybe a multiple pieces of the puzzle moving? So I think you're asking the right questions. Those are the questions that we are discussing you know, and it's one of the things that, one of the few questions that I have on offense about, you know, where we're at from a personnel standpoint. Again, like we're kind of getting some perspective on it. Shane Vallow seems to be the leader in the clubhouse right here, right now, when it comes to the center position. Will we, he wind up being the starter? I wouldn't be surprised. Is the guy has that ability to be a pretty decent center. And I feel like a guy like Cole Dome is helping him out a lot. It's not like, oh, hey, Cole Dome's just out there on an island. The dude is actually still talking with a lot of those guys and helping them get better. Because guess what? Like Prudhomme's got a ton of experience as an offensive lineman with the Cajuns. And I've always talked about this. This is just my perspective when it comes to the offensive line. The center has to be the anchor for that entire team. Not just the center, but the entire team. Because he is setting everything up. He's got a lot of checkdowns. He's understanding. He needs to understand a lot of different things. He's the key player. For that offensive line, they got to set things up. And if you don't have continuity at that position, and again, Colperdome injured, like it is what it is. We can't have him out there injured being the guy you want him to be. I can tell you this right here, right now. I would love to see a guy like Shane Vallow be the starting center for the Cajuns. Some because of the fact he's earned the position, one. And number two, this is, again, purely my perspective. I think he can be an elite center because of a guy like Culperdome coaching him up off the field, making sure he understands what it takes to be a solid center, not just in the Sun Belt, but in just college football in general. I think that's going to be the biggest thing going forward for him. And then also what's going on with that offensive line. Because again, I feel like it's always just my situation when I just look at how 
especially Cajuns football has been, is they almost live or die based off of the performance of the center. Once you have that continuity at center, you're able to go a good ways, and you're able to do some really good things. And we saw that last year. Copernum was phenomenal at center last year. I think that's just something I'm always interested in. Because that feels like it's always a crucial position because that guy's keeping control of everything and keeping everybody lockstep in that line and making sure they can keep the quarterback upright and get the holes open for guys like Trey Regis, Elijah Mitchell, and Raymond Calley. One more thing before we take a quick commercial break about the Cajuns is absolutely huge news concerning the world of Cruton, and that is without a doubt the commitment of Trey Amos from Catholic High of New Iberia. Three-star commit committed to the Raging Cajuns Friday afternoon. Felt like he was going to a few days ago, but then he officially dropped the news. We tried to get him on the program, but, you know, it is what it is. He's committed to the culture. He'll likely switch over to cornerback after being quarterback for a little bit. At Catholic High, New Iberia. And this is huge. It puts the Cajuns currently at number one in the Sun Belt Conference in terms of the recruiting class. But that will likely change because one thing and one thing only, the class will be fairly light according to what Napier talked about at length back on Monday. It'll be a lot lighter than what it was last year. We pretty much cleaned house. So expect, I'd probably say they'd probably land like third or fourth in the Sun Belt rankings. And that's not anything to shake at, especially when you look at the quality instead of the quantity of commits take a quick commercial break back with more with ross jackson talking a little saints next on acadiana sports station 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the end but under the dome with cd goes one higher why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? these guys are 11 now back to the show that brings the heat on acadiana sports station 1037 The Game. Jason Hill, the leading rusher for the Saints tonight, with 5 for 47 on the ground. Middle of the field, it's available. Down to the 10. Good ground. Nice. Yes. Nice. Little Jordan Humphrey. Nice. Great ball by Jason Hill. Great effort by Humphrey to find the end zone. That's a pretty play right there. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com live from the 237 Roof Studios. Hopefully I have a great Saturday so far. And, of course, the New Orleans Saints open up preseason last night. Tough loss to the Minnesota Vikings. And we're going to hop over to the Art Co. Equipment Hotline to talk to our guy, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked on Saints podcast. What is going on, my good brother? My man, just glad to be here. Thanks so much for welcoming me in again this fun Saturday morning. Loving getting in here after some, uh, finally, some Saints football action. Not all positive, not all negative, but still some Saints football action nonetheless. Lots to be excited about here. I mean, we can always look at the bright side of things. The Atlanta Falcons are 0-2 in preseason play. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Blue leads, had the lead in both of those games, and eventually lost. Gotta That's love it. outstanding. They, they blew the lead. <laughs> In both those games, it's becoming a tradition unlike any other. But then again, Atlanta, they are a soccer town. 
That's right, a soccer town. So all MLS town, uh, no football uh, fans. I mean, you can look at the the game that the Saints just played last night with the Superdome wasn't full, but it was pretty packed for a preseason game. You can just feel the anticipation. You can hear the crowd getting into it, especially when the first pass interference uh, penalty was called. <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I just knew that that was going to happen. And then, of course, we'll get into it. But, you know, Sean Payton challenging his first defensive pass interference penalty. Uh, after being a part of he and Gail and you know Mrs. B and the uh, the Saints and pioneering sort of that rule change or helping to pioneer that rule change and then hearing the crowd there, so you know you can tell with the difference between the two cities for sure in terms of the passion for their their team. And now we're going to actually talk about what was going on in the actual game last night. I think we got to want to start things off looking at the offensive side of the football. Definitely, Teddy Bridgewater looked solid last night. Obviously, only one touchdown in that first half, but still. Looked good. Was able to kind of handle things his way instead of trying to be like Drew Brees. He's actually trying to be Teddy, and that's actually a really good thing. Yeah, no, he looked great. Uh, fourteen of fourteen of nineteen on the night. That's a seventy-three point seven if you round up. Seventy-three point six if you don't. Uh, completion percentage that feels a little Drew Breesy right there. Uh, he had the one touchdown. He could have had a second one there. He actually had really good ball placement on that opening drive and the what could have been a touchdown pass to Michael Thomas. But just credit Trey Wayne's for good defense there, getting in and knocking that one away. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was a really good drive. That uh, that opening drive was was outstanding. I think that was about I think it was twelve plays. Uh, I'm a little I, I can't remember the the count of it because of the penalties that all took place out there. But yeah, I think it was twelve plays, uh, and most of them went in some way or another, to a running back, with the exception of Michael Thomas's catch, Traquan Smith's catch, and then the missed touchdown pass there, which was also targeted to Michael Thomas. It was a lot of Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, thanks to John Sigler over at Saints Wire for these numbers, but played eight snaps and touched the ball six times. So they really saw what they wanted to see from him and made sure that they put him in the positions that they wanted to see, showed a little bit of what he could do in the passing game. And a lot of that was led by Teddy Bridgewater, and then Bridgewater turns around and leads at the end of the first half a beautifully executed two-minute drive that you know ends up in a touchdown to Dan Arnold, which was Dan Arnold's highlight of the day. The low light came later, but also you know a great pass to uh, Cyril Grayson at one point, that back shoulder throw for 32 yards. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater looked really, really sharp. And you brought up Cyril Grayson, perfect way to segue into him, the former LSU track star. He was showing off the juice in that ball game. And what can you say about him? Cyril Grayson looked absolutely fantastic in his first game as a New Orleans Saint. It's crazy to think that he did not play a single down for LSU football. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's it's insane, right? But he was that he was really really good. I mean, he was second on the team in receiving yards, two catches for 32 yards, most of which coming from that big play, that big uh, back shoulder uh, uh, pass down the field that I had talked about. But he showed up in a lot of different areas of the field. He also brought back two kick returns, a return to kick returns, averaged 30 and a half yards per return, just barely edging out uh, the better average over Deontay Harris, who also had a great day as a returner. And then he also showed up as a, you know, in special teams playing as a gunner. He showed up a little bit in that Dan Arnold play, uh, the touchdown at the end of the second half where he sort of chipped off the, um, the the key block that helped Dan Arnold get into the end zone. And then you also saw Cyril Grayson get a little bit of work as, as a runner as well, but that play ended up getting called back. But he had nothing but green in front of him off of a jet sweep earlier in the game. But he just showed up in a lot of different places and has really, really did himself a lot of favors last night. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints considered in the Locked On Saints podcast. And we brought up Dan Arnold earlier as well, of course, I called him the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because you just look at what he did last night. 
that great play at the end of the first half to get the Saints within two, and then you have a chance to play, make it, take it, and then you have that bobbled pass that looked like he pretty much just lateral the ball over to the wrong guy and resulted in a pick six. It just, it just felt like you, you saw Dan Arnold make a lot of progress last season, and then mm-hmm. this happens. Like, what can you say about the man with two names? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, uh, first names over there, he had a great, great, opening portion of his game there you know he was somebody that was heavily relied on a little bit and then you know he just ends up getting this pass a routine pass from Taysom Hill that he ends up just kind of kneeing out of his own hands and then right into a defender's hands like runs back for a pick six I mean uh, not really the way that he wanted to do it especially because the one thing that most Saints fans will know him for is for dropping a touchdown in that NFC championship game and now here he is after an entire offseason talking about his understanding of how he should have caught that pass and how important that touchdown would have been and him working on his pass catching and just sort of unsolicited talking about it all throughout the offseason and then to show up in your first preseason game and have that happen for you. Not the best look to really start off your 2019. Definitely not a good look to start off 2019, but of course I think we got to talk about one person that definitely showed off a lot, and that was Taysom Hill was doing Taysom Hill things last night Leading the team, it's it's crazy to think that Taysom Hill was leading the team in rushing last night again. It wasn't a full game with Alvin Kamara or Latavius Murray, for that matter. Who, it looked pretty decent as well. But just thinking with Taysom Hill specifically, what did you notice from him? Because he, he was throwing a lot more passes last night. Of course, he had that one interception, but still looked pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, and even really that interception wasn't necessarily on him. It was actually pretty good ball placement in terms of getting the ball into Dan Arnold's hands, and then it just kind of went south from there. You know, we did see him miss on a couple of passes. He put a ball right behind Divine Zigbo where he was maybe three or four yards downfield of him. That was a little disappointing uh, near the goal line or near the in, in the red zone. And then we saw him miss on another pass later on. But, you know, 8 of 14, not a terrible stat line. He threw a touchdown as well to Lil' Jordan Humphrey, who just showed off this, incredible talent as a yards after catch receiver and i won't say out of nowhere because that's exactly what he did in texas but yeah um, Taysom Hill ends up throwing this touchdown to him for 32 yards it's little jordan humphrey just operating out of the slant which is really where he made his name in texas with the longhorns and then just sort of dodging and weaving and fighting his way into the end zone so that looked really good as well and that was on a Taysom hill pass and then you look at what Taysom Hill did on the ground. He even made a decision to slide at one point, which is also good because we're used to just watching him try to bowl over Atlanta Falcons players as they try to as they try to take him down. But then he also went back to that. He even ran somebody over at one point in the game as well. So yeah, I mean, you said it exactly right. Like Taysom Hill was being Taysom Hill. He led the team in rushing 45 yards on six carries, averaged seven and a half yards per run there and you know you just want to see him do a little bit more uh sort of decision making before snapping right into or let me say information processing before making the decision to snap right into scrambling you just want to see him roll through his progressions first and sort of rely on his arm before he gets to points where he relies on his legs except of course for plays that are designed for him to run we even saw them run um an, an option play at one point where he bent around the edge and then got a big run out of there but that's one thing that i will say for the saints is that you know there was a lot of negatives over on the defensive side of the ball, but the quarterback play was nice and the run game was nice. And because the quarterback play uh, ended up being as good as it was, the the passing game actually looked really good altogether in terms of receivers as well. Exactly, especially considering the fact that you didn't have Drew Brees out there. Cam Jordan, as expected, all these guys did not play last night. But now we're going to hop. We talked about a lot of the good. Now you brought up the defense. Now we got to bring up the bad and also the ugly. 
460 yards of total offense. Yeah. Not the way you want to start the preseason. No, not at all. And, I mean, that was just – I I would love to be able to single it down to one specific point in the for, for the game. But, really, I mean, it, over on the defensive side of the ball, there was just a lot of struggles. I mean, we saw a lot of the reacclimating to the Superdome lights. I mean, um, Eli Apple got lost on a – what was almost a touchdown, but ended up being um, an Adam Thielen catch that got him down to the one-yard line. We watched Patrick Robinson just bite terribly on a double move and then just get, you know, passed up for a touchdown as well. And so, you know, we also saw some players playing out of position. You know, we won't ever see P.J. Williams out on the boundary unless something's going horribly wrong. Same thing with Patrick Robinson. And so we, we won't really be seeing that throughout the offseason. So there are some things – I'm sorry, throughout the season. So there aren't some, there are some things to sort of take into consideration and some things to sort of be cautious about as we make these – you know, uh, evaluations of the defense on the passing game. But the big thing for me was the defensive line and just the lack of, really lack of presence. I mean, there was times in the second half, and of course we're talking second, third, and fourth team, really third and fourth team at this point. But there were times in the second half where the defensive line just got entirely erased from a play. I mean, when you look at the the big touchdown by Mike Boone, the 64-yard run, there was no defensive line in front of him at all on a simple cutback run. And so uh, that was a lot. That was really concerning because you want to see that defensive line, which I think is the biggest cause for concern for the Saints in coming into the regular season, just because of their lack of depth with having lost Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata out the first season. There's a lot of unknown and unproved quantities in terms of working in the Saints scheme and the Saints system on that interior defensive line in particular. And of course, the lack of edge rusher after your two starters, even though Trey Hendrickson is looking good. He did get some pressure. He got a quarterback hit. So ended up in that 18-yard touchdown when Patrick Robinson got passed up on a double move. But, you know, it still showed a little bit from Trey Hendrickson, who's probably going to be your third defensive end this year. Um, but you really want to see more from those interior guys. Mario Edwards looked fine. Malcolm Brown looked fine. But then after you got through that and you started rotating in, your Sylvester Williams, your Taylor Stallworth, your Ziggy Hood, that's when the defensive line started to disappear. Porter Gustin looked okay. His big thing is just learning to stay low and then taking better angles at the quarterback, learning to bend and um, instead of taking those wide angles around, just getting some better bend around the edge and also holding the edge on those run plays so you don't have the big 64-yard breakaway cutback runs as well. One more for you, Ross. I want to hop back over to the offensive side of the football. More specifically, Eric McCoy, he got the start last night in the center position. I wasn't necessarily able to kind of hone in on what he did obviously he allowed one sack i believe if i'm not mistaken but i want to get your perspective on his first like real reps in an nfl preseason game what do you see from the rookie out of texas a&m i think he looked really good honestly i mean all of his snaps were clean we didn't see any bobbled snaps from him the one weird snap that we saw actually came from the backup long snapper nick moore so that wasn't on eric mccoy at all and so when you look at what he was able to do, I mean, he, there was one play, I think Larry Holder commented on it early in the first team reps when he picked up a stunt really well. Uh, he did have a sack that was allowed that also got called back uh, for a defensive penalty as well. So, you know, you, you saw him make a couple of mistakes during this game. But in terms of his sort of overall, I guess you could say, uh, curve for the game or grade for the game. I'd say he played really well in his first NFL action, um, and it'll be interesting to see him you know, as we progress further and further, particularly that third preseason game where he's going to be playing against more of the starters throughout the first half. Um, that will be some time to really get a good evaluation of him. But so far I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing, and so is the coaching staff from what I'm understanding. 
Ross, I appreciate you coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road because I think there's a lot more to talk about as we progress with the preseason. Obviously, the regular season is just right around the corner. Absolutely, my friend. Always a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're welcome, man. That was Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. All Saints considered locked on Saints podcast. Highly recommend you check that out if you love the New Orleans Saints. A lot of great insight from him. And like I said, we, we've got just enough time to get one more segment in, so I'm going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. In a moment, coming up next, I'll give you my perspective on the rookie quarterbacks, a complete power ranking, all four of them, Daniel Jones, um, Kyler Murray, I can't believe I, I locked in on that, Drew Locke, and Dwayne Haskins. Give you all my thoughts on that and a whole lot more. Coming up next, one last take before we wrap up the show. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. From the preps. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. To the pros. Kick ass on one. And everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD wrapping up another fantastic edition of the show hopefully you're having a great one so far and hey guess what we got some astros baseball coming up later today 535 pregame 610 first pitch looking to make it eight straight games against a team that is definitely probably one of the worst in the history of the mlb and that is the baltimoreans the baltimore orioles just absolutely awful and when you have a guy named bundy in your lineup and you also have i believe the guy tonight is just an absolute waste of space let me kind of pull this up because I, I don't have it in front of me but let's see what we got yeah it's my Aaron Brooks a guy that's staying after a Saints quarterback that threw the ball backwards like yeah you're you're kind of trash and yet they're 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 largely done mathematically eliminated from the playoffs I would say more than likely but again the Astros need to win as many many games as possible because I feel like they are in position to get things done in the postseason is that rotation. That's something I talked about last week a lot more in depth with our guy, uh, Chris Gordy. You can check that out on demand right now on 1037game.com, just like we'll have Brooks Cabina, and we'll also have on the Ross Jackson interview as well, along with the full show. So make sure you check out our on-demand section at 1037game.com because just we got all kinds of great stuff over there. And, of course, we got just enough time to get one more take in, and I'm going to talk about those Young Bucks in terms of quarterbacks. He's trust me, a lot of rookie quarterback talk going on around the world. So why not join in on the action? Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. I think this is going to be one of the first ones where it's a hot take. It's instant reaction. So why not dive into it and start things off right here, right now, when it comes to the world of NFL and the rookie quarterbacks. Number four, I think I've still got to stick with my guns and say Daniel Jones. Can Daniel Jones 
continue to perform at the level that he did last night. Five for oh, Thursday night, excuse me, five for five with a touchdown. The only thing that stopped him was, was the weather. Can he do that against the Bears next week? Because again, he'll probably want to get in the start for this. He's you're not going to start Eli Manning in a preseason game. Are you kidding me? I think if he can want to prove it himself this coming week, where he plays the Chicago Bears, I think then I can kind of take the conversation a lot more serious of him being a true contender in the NFL. I'm not sold on him yet. Is again, you did play the Jets, 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 and they S U C K suck, suck, suck. So I'm not giving you all the credit in the world for that. And another thing I got to bring up, obviously, is without a doubt, number three, Dwayne Haskins. He was absolutely just absurdly awful. I think he he's not necessarily going to translate well to the NFL. He was great at the Ohio State, but I feel like Ohio State University maybe just maybe didn't necessarily have as much juice to it in the past. We've seen what Ohio State quarterbacks do when they get to the league. It's not necessarily a great thing to be a quarterback from the Ohio State University. If you're a DB or a wide receiver in the case of Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore, it's pretty damn good. But a quarterback, not so much. So he's number three on the list. And then we're going to flip it over. Number two on that list, I got to go with Drew Locke. He is small sample size, just like all these guys. But I think I'm more confident in him more than those other guys because I saw what he was able to do at Mizzou. He's a damn good quarterback. I feel like he can wind up learning a lot more. It's just the system that he's in, I'm not necessarily sold on. Just in terms of the power rankings, I feel like Drew Locke deserves a little bit more love. Drew Locke is going to be a guy to keep an eye on. He may, he may not be the quintessential pro bowler, but he's definitely going to be a pretty damn good player. And the last thing, the final thing I'm going to bring up is without a doubt, top of the list, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's going to have a great career in my mind, largely because of the system that he's in. He is working with Cliff Kingsbury, who definitely loves a little Big 12 offense. Where did Kyler Murray come from? Oklahoma, the heart of the Big 12 offense. We saw what he's done over the course of his career. It's a lot like what we saw with Pat Mahomes a couple of years ago at Texas Tech. Kyler Murray is going to have a golden opportunity to get things done. And the fact you have a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, who somehow has found the fountain of youth, he can get things done. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with him going forward when it comes to his offensive performance, he's somebody to absolutely keep an eye on going forward. So like I said, just a TLDR, I got to go with number four, Daniel Jones, number three, Dwayne Haskins, number two, Drew Locke. It's almost by process elimination with him because I feel like Dwayne Haskins had such a bad showing and you only saw five pass attempts from Daniel Jones against the Jets. And then number one, it's Kyler Murray. There's there's no doubt in my mind Kyler Murray is going to be a damn good player. I feel like everybody wants to talk about him not being him having no passes up the middle. You know, maybe that's part of the game plan. Maybe he doesn't have to throw it up the middle like we've seen other guys do. Because again, you're playing to the strengths of a quarterback with Kyler Murray in the case of Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's doing a great job. Hopefully, he winds up living up to the hype that I'm giving him. Gonna go ahead and get on out of here. Have hope you have a great rest of your weekend. I'll be back with you on Monday with Jordy Holbrook and also. Ben Love, Bobber Bumper Sports. We all get things started off right on Monday morning with RP3 and Company. That's all right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's over! Oh, yeah! Kick it!